This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everybody. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. My name is Karen. My name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 75 for Monday, March 30th, 2012. So those two other voices you heard, Jason and Karen, they are, of course, the hosts of the Walking Dead cast, mm-hmm. the, the other most awesome Walking Dead related podcast <laughs> on the Internet. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Hi. Thanks. Welcome to the show, you guys. Thanks for Thanks. coming on. Appreciate it. Is uh, Chris Hardwick going to be on with us? <laughs> uh, I called him and he declined. Oh, sadly. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, you know, we, we've kind of moved past that stage where everyone's confusing us with, with oh, that good. show. I was wondering about that. Like, was that a bummer for you guys? It was kind of a bummer when it first when it first was announced and I was sort of like, how could they steal our name? But after I settled down a little bit, I realized that, you know what, they can do whatever they want because they're AMC. And uh, it, it was yeah, confusing because, uh, you know, I have a hard time believing that they, they didn't know that uh, there was something else out there called The Talking Dead. And yeah. uh, so I just have a hard time believing that they would, you know, come up with this name and go, yeah, okay, what the hell? Well, yeah, we were contacted by somebody a long time ago, somebody from their publicity department, just to sort of shout out and say, hey, you know, we're listening. Do you want some posters kind of thing? And so they they knew we were around. They just decided to, I don't know, maybe that person didn't talk to somebody else and they decided to go with the name anyway. I think you need royalties. That would be all right. That'd be great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, talking about making some money, that would be okay. (laughs) I think, though, for the most part, people have kind of figured out that we're different, and I've had to stop sort of explaining it and clarifying it for everyone that comes along, which is nice. I mean, yeah, it's gotten you guys some attention, too, right? So that's, that's not so bad. I can't, uh, I can't say that it hasn't. That's true. I mean, <laughs> you know, things have picked up uh, since then. And, you know, actually, lately, things have picked up a lot, too. So, you know, that's, that's okay. And cool. they do their thing, and we do our thing, and everybody lives happily together. <laughs> I guess. Or apart. Happily apart. <laughs> happily apart. <laughs> Several miles apart. <laughs> uh, all right. So before we get started today, I do need to do something that I do at the beginning of every show. Or at least lately. And that is wish everyone a happy pencil day today. Ooh, pencil day. <laughs> That's exciting. <laughs> it's a pencil day. I, I don't know, Jason and Karen, if you guys have been listening lately, but uh, since Jason's birthday, when I wished him a happy birthday, I don't know why, but I've just started pulling obscure holidays and talking about those at the beginning. So today is pencil day. Pencil day is not obscure. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> celebrates pencil day, don't they? Well, I don't see why not. <laughs> I I can't remember the last time I used a pencil, but in celebration of Pencil Day, I'm going to use one today. That, that's what they recommend, that you put away your laptop or your iPad or whatever and write something down on a piece of paper. With a pencil. <laughs> With a pencil, yeah. Because there are pens, too, that also write on paper. <laughs> well, the reason today is Pencil Day is that because on this day in 1858, the United States Patent and Trademark Office granted the first ever patent for a modern pencil with an eraser attached to it. Nice. There you go. What's your favorite? Uh, what's your favorite hardness of pencil? <laughs> uh, number two. Well, that's yeah. Well, in the states, they have the number one, number two, number three. Is that is that right? You have like a number three pencil. <laughs> I know of the number two. 
Right. In, it's a in, classic. In yeah. Canada, they uh, they have HB, which is right in the middle, and it goes. Uh, there's a scale all the way from uh, I think it's six H, you know, five H, four H, three H, two H, one H, HB, and then B one, B two, B three, B four. Clearly, you are a pencil expert. Yeah, my favorite. The hardest. Uh, the hardest is uh, H or six H. Very very hard. <laughs> Most useful in the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, right. it's very good. My uh, oddly enough, my favorite uh, pencil right. hardness is F. Which uh, sort of is halfway between H and HB. <laughs> Alphabetically. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> I think when he said that he really does know about Pencil Day, he probably was serious. Well, I didn't know there was a day, but I really like pencils. <laughs> I took a drafting class in high school. Actually, I took drafting all the way through high school, and they taught us all about pencils. It was great. All right. We should do a pencil podcast. Yeah, sure. what are, you're wasting your talent. I, I don't know what we're doing talking about this TV show when you clearly have enough to say about pencils. That's it. That's the entire knowledge base that I have on pencils. Very good. With that out of the way, what we're going to do uh, on this show today is count down the first half of our top 10 things about season two of The Walking Dead. And Jason's phone was playing the final countdown. Yes, it was. That's right. my wife. She's calling me. <laughs> yeah, so what we're going to do is do the first half of the countdown on our program, and then the second half on uh, your guys' show, right? Yep. Yep. Um, sort of a second annual, maybe. Yeah, sort of second annual. That's right. We did this last year, too. And it was so much fun, we had to do it again. That's right. Um, do you know, I'm probably going to release this, this tonight. Do you know, guys know when you're going to put out the other half? Um, I'd say for sure tomorrow, by tomorrow. It oh, depends okay. on whether Jason's been drinking. <laughs> I have a, an eight-month-old kid now, so things don't go out quite as fast as they used to. I understand that. Uh, he's eight months old already, con already mm -hmm. eh? Congratulations. Thanks. Appreciate it. That's he's got a pretty good zombie sound coming out of him sometimes. <laughs> I've heard it. I was listening when you played that. Yeah. <laughs> Got phones ringing all over the place here. Yeah, we do. Sorry, I forgot to turn off the phones. <laughs> Anyways, all right, let's quit screwing around. Sorry? You were too busy with Pencil Day. I know, obviously. Um, let's quit screwing around and start our list. So as I said, we're going to do the top half, number 10 to number 6 here, and then we'll switch over to your guys' show and do the rest. So I think guests go first. One of you, why don't you start us off with your number 10? All right, my number 10 um, is, um, believe it or not, Glenn Mazzara. Uh, I was worried after Frank Darabont left the show and there was a, there was a, lot, of, um, a lot of chaos, it sounded like, but it turns out it all went really smoothly. And um, by the, the second half of the season, it seemed to be really cooking along. And uh, I like what Glenn Mazzara has, uh, where he's taken the show, and I'm not worried at all anymore. Excellent. That's it. Yeah. Glenn Mazzara, he's a good choice. So far, so good. Yep. Okay, my number 10. Um, last year, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but not, no humans even got killed until the fourth episode of the show, at least that we saw on screen. And um, this year, there's been a lot more gore. There's, um, I mean, last year they did have the zombie guts spread out all over themselves in episode two. <laughs> yeah. This year we've got Randall getting impaled while his buddy gets his whole face bitten off. And we have this well zombie getting split in half and poor Dale with his guts hanging all out. I think it's interesting. I'm not necessarily saying that's one of my favorite things. I do like it. I think it can be a bit of a cheap thrill to have 
a lot of gore and I'm always more impressed when they can scare me or make me feel something with like psychological tension, which they've also done a good job of this year. But I do like the gore and almost more because it's sort of um, an homage to the classic zombie movies. And whenever they do that, it feels like, you know, more like a real bona fide zombie flick, which I love. So I'm glad it's gorier. I'm also glad that they, um, they balance it out with other kinds of horror. And I think when they do do it, they do it really well. The effects are really good. Yeah, we all know the effects are, are awesome. And and you're right. I like seeing the gore, like when uh, when they ran over that zombie, um, right over that zombie's head and just it just exploded. I mean, I love that kind of stuff too. But if you can be scared without being sort of disgusted like that, I think it's it's that much better, you know? Yeah. And the best horror movies are psychological most of the time, right? What's your favorite, Chris? Horror movie? Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, putting me on the spot. I don't know. Recently or of all time? Uh, all time. <laughs> all or time. one that does a good job, like you say. Because, you know, what comes to mind for me is either Blair Witch or um, Paranormal Activity. I like Paranormal Activity. I've only seen the first one, though, and I did enjoy it. I It was pretty effective because I sat here by myself one night. Um, the family was out somewhere, and I put it on and watched it, and it really creeped me out. So, you know, I didn't have kids running around, which really takes the horror out of anything. <laughs> right. um, but as for Blair Witch, it's funny because I sort of have the opposite experience with that one. I didn't really get what it was sort of going for, and it didn't scare me at all. You saw the Blair Witch, Chris, uh, after all the hype, though. Way after. Right? So you were a victim of the hype. Yeah. And like, I, I personally saw the Blair Witch uh, before I knew anything about it. And before it got hyped, and I, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great. So uh, I think you're a victim of the hype. I, I sort of have that problem sometimes. If if I don't, you know, if I hear too much about something, I, or I'm just too excited for something, I kind of, it doesn't quite have the same effect as it might had I, you know, just gone into it not knowing anything. Totally. Yep. I, th- I think my favorite horror movie of all time is Evil Dead, the first one. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah, you, Evil Dead is awesome. I like Evil Dead. And, you know, I like all the Evil Dead movies almost equally. Even though yeah. the first two are sort of the same and then Army of Darkness is totally different, but... Well, it is different. Different from anything else on the planet, really. <laughs> it's, it's got, it's got um, uh, what's his name, Bruce Campbell, who's fantastic. Fabulous. Yeah. Did you guys know, I, I guess we can't ramble through this whole podcast, but <laughs> uh, Greg Nicotero was on Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. I didn't realize that, but I do know he's been around for absolutely yeah. ever. So, That's yeah. Nice. That's cool. Uh, Jason M., what is your number 10? Well, I'm going to actually have to go with the uh, with the shootout at the bar in uh, Nebraska mm-hmm. with uh, with Dave and Tony when, uh, when Dave ro- raised his weapon at Rick and Rick took them both out very, very quickly. I thought that was a good old-fashioned Western bar shootout, and I thought it was great. It was pretty awesome. I mean, I didn't... I, you could see that scene getting a little more tense as it went along, right? It kind of started sort of friendly. You didn't, not sure what these guys were all about, but they were just sitting there chatting and then things just got more and more and more tense until finally everything exploded. I thought it was, I thought I liked it too. I thought it was effective and pretty well done. Hmm. One of of the highlights of the whole season for me. Cool. Yep. Me too. One of my favorite (laughs) scenes of the whole series. (laughs) Um, One of my favorite lines, uh, the actor who plays Renee in True Blood. uh Yeah. And he said, uh, don't mean to piss in your cornflakes. <laughs> <laughs> that would ruin the cornflakes, definitely. Well, it's nice to know there was an accident. 
<laughs> I accidentally pissed in your cornflakes. That's all right. That's okay then. No worries. So my number 10 is admittedly a little bit of a cheat because I'm going to go with New York Comic Con 2011. I went down there last year in October uh, just to experience it and have fun and promote you know, our show a little bit and also just check out all the cool stuff they have down there. And it took place over season two premiere weekend. Right. So season two aired, the first episode aired that Sunday while I was down in New York after I'd spent a couple of days at the convention and there was a huge Walking Dead presence there obviously and and I got to go into the panel and meet Robert Kirkman and do all kinds of really really awesome stuff and in the panel they showed us the highway scene from the premiere episode which we'd seen bits of here and there leading up to the season but they showed everyone there it was only a day early but it still felt really really fun to kind of see it with a small group with some of the actors on hand and and just talk about it afterwards so it's sort of related to season two, but it was one of the highlights of the whole the whole year for me. I think I had a really good time. That's so cool. I, I totally want to do some kind of a podcast panel sometime. I don't know if that's possible, but it'd be great if we could get us and like the Walking Dead TV guys and whoever else together. Yeah, I met them too when I was down there because they're in New Jersey, the Walking Dead TV guys, and they're they're fun. I got to meet some listeners and just hang out. And I think a panel at some convention with all of us would be would be really awesome. That'd be a hoot. I'd love that. Let's do it. Sure. <laughs> and if we did it at San Diego, it might be an easy way to get in. <laughs> <laughs> or we could just be out on the street corner, all of us. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just set up a folding table, yeah. some speakers and some microphones, and call it a panel. Why not? <laughs> and just take questions. I'll bring the beer. Hey, there you go. We'll I'm there. A, we'll put out a hat. <laughs> <laughs> we'll podcast for food. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. After flying down there for us and paying to stay in a hotel, we'll need that money. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, all right. So number nine, Karen, I guess. Yep. Uh, I would have to say the cinematography this year. Um, I liked it last year, too, a lot. But this season, I thought the cinematography was just fantastic. And, you know, a couple of shots uh, really did it for me. When they were burying Sophia and there's an overhead shot uh, after the um, the service and everybody turns around and goes in opposite directions. Love that. It was just a brief moment, but it's sort of why I watched the show. Also, when Shane and Rick were taking Randall away the first time and they, they stop and they're arguing in the road and then the camera sort of pans up and you see that they are literally at a crossroads. And uh, and then also when Rick and Shane later on um, are in the field and the, the final um, the final showdown between the two of them with the moon in the background and oh man, the cinematography this year was fantastic. Does anybody know if um, the the cinematographer for the show changed from season one to season two. I never thought to look it up. Neither did I. I think um, Glenn Mazzara said that he brought in a guy who used to work on The Shield at some point. So I think there, and I also don't know whether or not the cinematographer changes from episode to episode. I know the director does. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know that either. I, I, I sort of assumed it was the same person throughout, but it could be could be just one doing one episode here and there or a couple. I assumed it was a different person for every episode. Okay. <laughs> All right, we have homework. <laughs> Either way, I agree wholeheartedly that it was it was a step up this season for oh, yeah. whatever reason. Yeah. Um uh that scene you're right at the crossroads was really good. Did you notice there too that three of the ways were all broken and cracked and the one road was nice newly paved fresh asphalt? 
No, I didn't. <laughs> I have no idea if that was intentional or not, but I thought it was kind of <laughs> kind of cool. That was Shane Bites It Avenue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, my my turn, right? Yeah. My, my number nine. Um, I'm going to go straight to the negative, the flaws of the show. Okay. So, um. It's kind of broad, but it's clear that the show can be uneven, at least to me. And a lot of people have complaints. And this season, people complained that it was slow, especially in the first half when they took forever to find Sophia. And they kind of stretched that storyline out. And um, it can seem soap opera-ish at times, especially when they're kind of going over the same um, points, like that, um, you know, Dale and... Shane have conflicts and um, I don't know they 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 kind of go they used to go over the same things a lot and Rick Carl Carol being upset about Sophia Herschel wanting everyone off the off the farm so the pay that's also about pacing like the pacing could have been quicker um, but the bright side oh also I think Darabont kind of thought of the season as a he, he was looking at it, I think, as a movie. So it, you don't, he didn't think you had to make each episode satisfying in and of itself, but it, more part of a bigger whole. But the bright side of all this is that I think Mazzara, he said as much, he, he's kind of addressed each one of these. He wants the pacing for season three to be more like the last few episodes of this season. He wants each episode to be satisfying in and of itself. He, uh, he wants to cut down the dialogue so people aren't speechifying so much and he gives the actors a chance to bring their own stuff to to the lines and um, so you know just based on how things went the last few episodes and what he said um, I really I really think uh, it's gonna be a, an awesome season next year and even even having said all that um, it's still definitely you know one of my top favorite shows ever and I totally enjoyed it but but I'm glad that um, it looks like things are headed in the right, right direction, I guess. There's a common sort of saying in, in film, I think, that you should show the audience things instead of tell them. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think season one and uh, even more so the first half of season two was more about telling us stuff rather than showing it to us and having it sort of play out that way. Yeah. Yeah, because the very first episode, uh, the pilot was a lot of showing mm -hmm. is one reason why it's I think that it's you know a lot of people's favorite episodes so it was kind of weird that it went into a lot of speeches and like you say telling after that Jason Miles I'm gonna go with uh, it's uh, you know talking about uh, the flaws of the show <clears throat> uh, this is a very specific flaw that I found and I'm gonna go with uh, Herschel's magic shotgun <laughs> <laughs> And okay. it just kind of typifies the, the whole situation where uh, everybody seems to have as much ammo as they need <clears throat> and are expert marksmen and uh, get headshots unless uh, the story dictates that uh, headshots not be given. Is it not the kind of thing you just have to suspend your disbelief for, though? Or do you want it to be that much more realistic and have no ammo and and uh you know you're hitting everything but the zombies and stuff like that you know i, I would like a little more realism like I, i'm a big fan of the uh of fantastic situations like uh indiana jones never loses his hat like he always has his hat no matter what happens he can fly off a cliff and that hat will land right beside him it's a magic hat <laughs> right and that's fine he, he loses his gun every now and again but he always has his hat so uh you know i'm, I'm fine with uh, with you know 
suspending my disbelief so that uh, we can have uh, a grandiose storyline. But this, uh, the, the tone of the show in general is not supposed to be this fantastical, happy day, action-adventure kind of thing. It's, supposed, it, it's kind of grounded, you know, it's a zombie show, but it's grounded in reality. Right, so uh, I think a little more realism in uh, in the interactions between the humans and the zombies is warranted. And not only that, but I just wish that they'd get more body shots because it's fun to see what happens to a zombie when he gets hit in other parts of his body. You know, if he gets hit in the chest, he'll stop for a second, but then keep on going. <laughs> if he gets his ankle blown, maybe he'll drag his like bloody stump along the ground. We want to see. More. I want to see more of that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, that'd more, be great. More bloody stumps. <laughs> more bloody stumps. I think that's a really good point. I, I, I'm on board just, just for that because all we ever see is zombies head snapping back and them going down. But if we saw legs falling off or holes through torsos, things like that, it might be really awesome. Mm-hmm. My number nine is, I think I'm just going to say pretty much the entire 18 miles out episode. I think this episode is sort of a little bit overlooked by some people, especially after the finale and all the amazing stuff that went on there. But I liked 18 Miles Out because um, we had, it was kind of a smaller scale. We were really focusing mostly on Rick and Shane. It was a bit more uh, contemplative this episode, I think, and almost introspective for these characters. We got to know them a little bit better, um, how they interacted with each other. And I think ultimately they learned sort of opposite things about themselves. Rick wanted to welcome Shane back into the group and realized that it's better if they work together, if they want to survive. At the end, he gave him his gun back, for example, and said, you know, you got to do what I say, but at least, you know, we need you around sort of. But Shane, on the other hand, I think went the other way a little bit and he started to feel more uh, lonely and alone. And he identified himself with that single zombie coming, coming through the field. So... Um, <clears throat> I like, uh, I, I just like how this episode played out and we got a little bit more focused instead of trying to have sort of everybody doing something, everybody except T-Dog, I guess, cause he didn't do anything, but, um, <laughs> you know, it, it was, it was a little bit more focused in that way and I liked it. Plus I really enjoyed the scene where Shane was stuck in the school bus and Rick drove up and rescued him. I thought it was just an awesome scene to, mm-hmm. to play out. So this episode, 18 miles out, um, is up there with I think my favorite episodes of the entire series. I agree. It felt very like it, it had more artistry because of that focus that you're saying. But I think they should have an episode that just features T Dog like trapped somewhere and it's all T Dog dialogue next year. Oh that's that's <laughs> dangerous. That's dangerous. As soon as you do that you know T Dog's gonna die at the end. Yeah, yeah, that's what they do. Episode, yeah, if so. they if they highlight you, uh, background character, if they if they feature you in an episode, you're dead. <laughs> dead as a Dale. They're gonna have to feature him at some point, though, or at least give him something else to do, as Mazara said. Well, it can't be harsh, right? It can't be just like right. you know, stay in the background, stay in the background, stay in the background. All of a sudden, there's an episode about you because then you're screwed. But if they ramp it up and it becomes more of a central character that's over true. time then uh, then you're okay. All right. They're, I think they're really waiting for Merle to come back into it so that, you know, because the, the, where T-Dog really shined in the first season was when it had to do with Merle and his racism. That's true. And and uh, I don't know if you've ever heard our friend Dave who comes on the show once in a while, but yep. he, um, he posted on our Facebook page a couple of days ago that he thought maybe it would be interesting to see a relationship develop further between T-Dog and Daryl. And then you bring Merle back into it and some, you know, some crazy stuff might happen. Boom. Yeah. Love oh, triangle. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, Karen, what's your number eight? Well, we were sort of on a theme of flaws for a, a couple of those back there. Mm -hmm. So um, <clears throat> I'm going to say um, one thing I was not crazy about. I was crazy about a lot of things, but one thing I wasn't crazy about was the, the some of the choices the characters made. In particular, I'm going to focus on the Randall uh, mm -hmm. arc. Um, save them, kill them, save them, kill them. They just, they just really can't. You know, make up their minds. Um, Let's just beat them up while we decide. Shut out of them. So <laughs> there's no way that we could ever recruit him to our side. <sighs> and um, and I think that it's unrealistic to think that he was there for a week. They healed him magically. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And by the way, about the magically healed knee, um, my mom just had her knee replaced, and uh, it hurts so much now that like she's shambling around like a zombie. So and there's no way that he gets it impaled, <sighs> shish kebobbed, and then he's up and running and all that good stuff. But anyway, yeah, Randall, um, I wish uh, that had been handled a little differently. Yeah, there. I'm on board with that. I, I think it was so poorly, I, just in inside the show, you know, in the context of the show, they handled Randall so poorly yeah. that no matter what they did in the end, it just wasn't going to end well. Right. Right. You <clears> know, <throat> it was kind of a bit crazy that way. Yep. Okay, my number eight, uh, you probably, I don't know if you guys know this, but our favorite character is Glenn. I've noticed. <laughs> Do you guys have, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I've noticed whether you guys have a favorite. You know, I don't know. I mean, Glenn has sort of emerged as your favorite because, I don't know, you talk about him a lot and Karen's clearly in love with him. I guess, but we don't really have that as much. I I'm don't. Not think. sure. I have a favorite character. I've never thought about it that uh, that way before. I'm trying to think. Which one would you sleep with if you had to? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, that'd be Maggie. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Sorry, she's Maggie's kind of annoying over. sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but that's not what I asked. I really, I really like that's Jimmy actually, but you know, <laughs> yeah, Jimmy's good. Uh -oh. So anyway, about Glenn. So um. When we we had Stephen Yun on last uh, year, early in season one, and we told him that people were saying he's kind of like the Hurley of The Walking Dead, and he hadn't seen much of Lost, but he kind of bristled at that a little bit. He didn't want to be seen as comic relief. I got the feeling. Now that we've been through a couple of seasons, um, I do think Glenn tends to lighten up the show. He's kind of self-effacing, and he'll give funny looks, and he'll say really stupid lines sometimes, and um, and I like that. But it's I like that it's done not in a um, kind of campy way. It feels really natural to his character, and also he's got this definite um, greatness about him that everyone is kind of like the greatness that everyone else sees, but maybe he doesn't see so much, which makes you respect him even more. So I just really like the way that they've. Um, presented his character it's it's it, he's it, it's almost not like a character development because he's been that way since the beginning but um they're just doing a really good job of having him give some of those lighting lighter moments without making a joke out of him so i really like that i, I almost think daryl sometimes is more like the typical comic relief because he has his one-liners like people in hell want slurpees or uh, the, when he was talking, he's like, this guy's taillights zigzagging all over the road, figured he had to be Asian driving like that yeah. and stuff like that, <laughs> which are funny. I mean, I, I, I think he delivers those really well, too. But anyways. I um, think you're absolutely right. Glenn is just sort of a quirky guy, and he happens to be a little bit funny and goofy. 
-hmm. And that's not really comic relief. It's just the way he is. Whereas Daryl is the Sawyer. He's the one-liner man and kind of just yeah. everything he says is goofy or funny in that way. You know? Daryl is much more the Sawyer than... Uh, <laughs> Than, than the Hurley, than, yeah, than Linda Hurley, yep. uh, for sure. Uh, all right, Jason, number eight. Number eight is the arrival of Michonne. Cool. Right at the end there, I didn't. Uh, I honestly didn't think that. Uh, you know, in hindsight, it's obvious. You know, with the uh, the backstory being in Playboy and uh, what was happening, uh, but uh, I, I didn't actually expect Michonne to show up at the very end of this season. I figured it would be too much, but uh, she showed up, and uh, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, and the zombies look great. Oh, they looked fantastic. They were freaking great. <laughs> it's funny about that scene, too. Everybody who knows I do this podcast asks me, oh, my God, who the hell was that that person in the hooded cloak in the final episode? And so I have to explain it to them every time. And, of course, their next question is, and what the hell is with those zombies she's carrying around <laughs> or chain, chaining around? Why aren't they attacking her? And I try to explain that. But people are clearly, have clearly, at least, I don't know, amongst the people I hang out with, sort of latched onto that and see it as something really mysterious that they want to know more about. Oh, so. yeah. Mm. I mean, think, yeah, of the, was, uh, the, it, think of the comic it, book where she arrived with the, the, yeah. the cover with just her you know, with the two zombies in chains, just like, you know, if I saw that, uh, if I had never read the comic book before, if I saw that cover sitting in a comic book store, I would start reading it. It's like, what the hell is that? <laughs> yeah. It's very cool. I, I love that she altered the zombies so they don't have arms, they can't hurt her, and they don't have jaws. Yeah. And she just basically, you know, figured out how to alter them enough so that uh, she made them, she made them really useful to her. And she takes them around because they... They prevent other zombies from thinking that that she's fresh meat. Yep, they but should it, still be like trying to gnaw on her shoulder. Yeah, like they my, totally like should. My little baby son does. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys think about the uh, the Playboy bit there? Did you guys like it? Uh, Loved it. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It was a bit um, different kind of storytelling than the comic because it was her sort of narrating it. But I no, I liked it a lot. I thought it was great, and mm -hmm. it was good to get that backstory. Awesome. Yeah, I liked it too. I mean, reading through it, it felt really, really short. But mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. I sort of said at the time, uh, you know, I don't, I shouldn't have really expected more than that because it's just a an excerpt in another magazine. But uh, I enjoyed it too. I think it was, uh, I think it was really kind of fun and glad, glad, glad it was there. So interesting I'm, choice to put it in Playboy, by the way. Yeah, and this act, this thought just occurred to me is that uh, you know I'm not sure whether. Uh, Playboy has changed because in you know in the in the 60s and 70s Playboy would never have put a comic book uh, into its uh, its issue like it never would have happened because it's it's not appealing to that audience. So is Playboy changing to appeal to a different audience or has the audience you know become way more mainstream? You know? I don't know. That's a good question. I haven't read a lot of Playboy from the 60s and 70s. <laughs> Well, it's a gentleman's magazine, right? Yeah, sure. It's supposed to be, uh, you know, appealing to the to, to the modern, you know, you know, madmen, essentially. <laughs> what do you think, Karen? Has Playboy changed, or has the audience changed? Sixties. Uh, next person. Yeah, Chris, I think you're up. I am up. Okay, my number eight is one. Um, I sort of struggled with putting on the list, but it's kind of Andrea's development over the season. She went, even though it. At times, it felt like, you know, she was in every episode, I think, but at times it felt like she didn't have a lot going on. She was kind of in that middle zone between T-Dog doing nothing and Rick and Lori and Shane doing everything. 
and but they still managed to develop her from the beginning of the season where she came out of the CDC basically suicidal and she was completely unhinged after Amy was killed and she changed from that she got it together and she you know by the end of the finale almost came sort of became the ultimate survivor you know she was out on her own and she was able to look after herself um, for the most part and uh, and and save herself when she when she needed to at when the barn was on fire and all that and uh, I just think they did a pretty good job sort of showing her development even though it wasn't really about her all the time it worked for me agreed at one point she even says um I don't know if I want to live is it just a habit it's sort of heartbreaking she's really a sad character uh the first part of, of season two and she just really changes into this uh a strong badass woman even when Lori calls her out with this strange um you know you really should be doing more of the cooking and cleaning around here and not protecting us even though clearly Andrea is the best shot mm-hmm. mm. yeah I I like that she didn't put up with any of that crap from Lori and uh she just kept being the badass that she is the only thing about it just really really bothered me that well, a couple of things that Dale basically saved her from killing herself. And then she somehow equated that to that she should let Beth make that decision for herself. When that seems like yes. she would have taken the opposite decision from that. Oh, this Dale helped me out of it. And now I'm glad to be alive. So maybe somebody should help her. So I just thought that was so messed up. And then on top of that, she never thanked Dale. I think she owed Dale a big thanks for um, saving her life. She and, thought she had more time. Um, she, who, she didn't know that uh, that she only had, you know, minutes he, to go from... Yeah, she had plenty of time to thank him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and in the zombie apocalypse, thinking that you have all the time in the world is probably a fatal flaw. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, who's next? Karen, I think. Number seven. Yeah. Um, uh I'm going to go ahead with um, Daryl. I love Daryl in uh, season two. He became one of my favorite characters, maybe even replacing Glenn, who um, I felt like, yeah, I know, right? In uh, the second part, (sighs) I know, um, in the second part of season two especially, um, Daryl was great. He really stepped up. Okay, so he reverted a couple times to ear necklace wearing guy, um, or at least ear necklace creating guy. Um, and he, he, you know, gets feral sometimes, but he has so many great lines, you know, um, when they came across the guy hanging in the woods, he's, you know, his line about dumbass didn't even know how to shoot himself in the head. Now he's a (laughs) swinging piece of bait. And, um, when he shoots the zombie and says, shut up. I mean, he is, he has great lines (laughs) and, uh, I, I think he is, um, uh, yeah, he, he's just definitely, he can't be on air, uh, enough for me. I just love, uh, watching him. He's pretty cool. I admit uh, he's probably one of my favorite characters, too, and I'm glad they've kept him around. We had um, last week on our show Lisa from Talking Walking Dead on. That's just a blog about the show, and she is one of the Daryl fangirls, I guess, Norman Reedus, and uh, there's a lot of them out of there, so, out there, so she had a lot to say about him, um, but uh, he's he's pretty cool. I'm, I'm on board with Daryl. Mm-hmm, absolutely. All right, Jason. <clears throat> my number seven is the badassifying and darkening of characters this season so I th- felt like especially after Sophia died that everybody kind of took a turn for the darker and it's interesting to see how they all change in response to it <clears throat> Herschel went b- from believing 
the zombies could be cured to being this badass zombie killer with his magic shotgun. And um, Andrea, you know, she learned to use a gun. She's killing zombies left and right, which I thought I thought was really cool. Carl's being really creepy and like walking up to killers and zombies and stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> giving them scary looks yep. and you know rick has proclaimed that the group is no longer a democracy and i think shane is the biggest example like killing otis and then kind of going getting even darker and darker from there and like the one character who well i don't know if the only one but one of the only ones who refused to get any darker darker dale is gone <laughs> so that might say something i think and daryl's an interesting in that equation because he's always been kind of a badass so he's sort of vacillated this season between just being his badass self and kind of opening up and being vulnerable and then kind of deciding that that was a bad idea and getting angry and stuff so he, in my view, he's kind of gone back and forth. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. Shane was pretty dark to begin with, I think. He was, but when he shot Otis, that felt like a new level of darkness to me. Maybe he always had it in him. Well, he shaved his head. <laughs> you know, is that an indicator of darkness? Or... It's an indicator of evil, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shoot somebody. Shave Definitely. your head. <laughs> Clearly. Um, obviously, I'm the devil. <laughs> you shave your head and then you wear this big dark mask and go oh, it's even worse oh yeah i can imagine <laughs> yeah so uh it's up it's me now right it is up to it yeah. is now you it's up to me right <laughs> all right so i'm gonna go with uh it has to do with the cinematography but it's the randall cam when uh, oh yeah in 18 miles out when we got the the shots of uh of randall's point of view with the music i just thought that was uh an excellent excellent idea and i really really liked it all right randall cam mm-hmm uh, cool. My number seven is uh, Dale's death. And the reason I'm choosing this is just that this was the almost the one and only time that this show really surprised me and really shocked me because it was the only character death that I wasn't spoiled on or didn't see at least see coming. Um, I didn't officially know what was going to happen with Sophia, but we predicted that she would come out of the barn and then she did. Um, and I knew the Shane death was coming but Dale I had no idea so when he wandered out into the field at the end of that episode and then got attacked by a zombie I thought oh my god look at that they're gonna you know shale uh, shale uh Dale's <laughs> getting uh Dale's getting attacked but they'll save him and then you realize that his midsection is completely torn open and he's completely you know he's gone I'm like oh my god they just yep. killed Dale I couldn't believe it so um, it's just kind of the nature of doing this that we we get spoiled on the show and we read about it all day every day and so on but this one for some reason I didn't know about and uh, I really like that it doesn't happen very often with this show anymore mm-hmm. especially if you if you do a podcast about it it's hard to stay away <laughs> from the spoilers so I'm actually very jealous that you got to experience it that way yeah I know I it, and I don't you know as as you just said doing the podcast that's it we just we always know what's going on and we're right on top of the news and so on because you sort of have to be but um it was it was awesome it was really really exciting uh Jason you knew it was coming Karen did you know Dale was gonna die nope I had no idea my jaw dropped yeah amazing yeah, yeah. And actually, I'll make that my uh, my next one um, was uh, also the character of Dale. I 
uh, thought um, the last couple episodes with him. Um, he was great. Uh, he sort of uh, sort of hadn't had a lot to, to do or say before that. Um, he was kind of a one-note character this season. Shane's yeah, a bad except, guy. Shane's a bad guy. Yeah, exactly. Except at the very end. And um, when the whole Randall question uh, happened, they really used him and showed uh, how optimistic he is and, and really had faith in people's ability to still be compassionate and human. And, and look where that got him. And that really got him <laughs> lot, kind of munched. And I'll miss his optimism. I'll miss his belief that you can still find joy in the world. Um, I think that there's some very cynical people left, and, mm. um, and maybe that's why they're left, but uh, I'll miss his little bright uh, spot of sunshine. And he yep. was the one who who probably wanted off the show when uh, Darabont was removed. No, oh. I, I don't think we know that for sure, and I don't think we ever will, but I would guess that he was the one. If you guys could have your way, would you like to still have him on the show? Yeah, I yeah. would. Because I really wanted to see, uh, like in, in the comic, he, he was with Andrea, and I wanted to see at least some of that play out. Yeah, and, and, I agree. Yeah. He was like I said. He's really optimistic and and really um, uh, really was hopeful and and sweet and a, a philosopher and all those good things. And um, if they would have just had you know even just a few episodes of their relationship and then and then Dale would have got munched, I would have been more okay with that. But it might I have felt- even been more heart wrenching when he went too. Oh yeah, I mean I <laughs> thought uh, you know in the final episode he was in. Uh, Andrea sided with him and said, "Yeah, I don't think we should kill uh, kill Randall." And I'm like, "There it is. There's the point at which they uh, start building this relationship." And then all of a sudden, <laughs> I was very happy for that. And now I'm a little disappointed that we're not going to get any of that storyline. Nope. Yep. Yeah. She gets to wear his hat though. That's that's okay. I saw some people online talking about how. Uh, I think Glenn had the hat for a while, and then Andrea had yeah. the hat for a while. I don't know what's going on. Are they passing the hat around? I think Dale had 10 of those hats, right. and everybody gets one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fishing hats for all. It's a good plan. You can buy them from Image Comics if you want. I had one that we gave away to a listener, and uh, I hope he's enjoying it. <laughs> My turn, right? Yeah, I think so. Number six. Okay. My number six is um, it kind of relates to Dale. It's just that the show diverged from the comic even more this year. If we had any doubt that that uh, the comic and the show are going to be different. Dale's death was one of the big things that showed that we can't count on anything. And, um, and uh, you know, like actors who maybe their character lived a long time in the comic or is even still alive, that I don't think they can feel safe and confident in their job anymore. <clears throat> um, and I think that's a good thing. I do, I do, especially because I've read the comic and I like to be surprised. Um, but one of my favorite things that, um, Glenn Mazzara has said recently is that uh, the, they're steering the show back to the spirit of the comic and I can really feel that one of my favorite I don't know about you guys but one of my favorite things about the comic is every almost every issue the last page is sort of a WTF moment like a shocking mm-hmm. twist and when Shane killed Otis I felt like wow that feels just like reading the comic and uh, then when Rick shot Dave and Tony and when Rick stuck a knife through Shane and then we come back to see the approaching herd of zombies. All of those felt like uh, they came out of the comic to me. So I like that, and I hope they continue to do stuff like that. And by the way, is it a herd of zombies? Is it it's like a, a, gaggle. a flock? <laughs> a murder. 
Yeah. A, a murder of crows. Yeah. <laughs> Murder's good, but I think herd is the official term. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jason, are you right up to date with the comic, like issue 95? Yeah, I thought it kind of lulled for a little couple issues there, but lately it's it's been getting really good. Again. Yeah, I'm with you too, but just when you said that they all end with a WTF moment, the, the last issue, number 95, I think, is just like that. They kind of, something happens, which I won't spoil it for people that haven't read it, but something happens and they're all sort of standing there like, what do we do now? What uh, WTF? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Rick's response. I'll, I'll go ahead and say it because it's not really a spoiler. He's like, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? Keep up from me. <laughs> uh, by the way, if you, I, I assume if people are listening to these podcasts, they, they probably are fans enough to to that they would appreciate the comic so if you haven't looked at it yet i i really recommend checking it out you can get the trade paperback for like 10 bucks on amazon and there's a compendium that has the first 48 issues that would cost way less than if you bought them one by one and and i heard the second compendium is actually going to be out in the fall with up to issue 96 but the compendiums are very very heavy <laughs> just saying i can see how starting the comic from the beginning now would be a little bit daunting but it's really not that bad. Or if you buy the hardcovers or something, you can yeah. you can go through those pretty pretty quick. Um, it's linear though. Like if you started reading uh, Batman from the beginning, that's well, a little bit daunting because there's so much going on with like different storylines and alternate universes and this kind of thing. But the uh, the Walking Dead is you know you start from issue one and you read up to ninety five. Yeah, that's and you're true. done. That's true. And it's it's something you can just sort of check out. And if you like it, just dip into it every once in a while. You know, you don't have to read it all at once that's true and did you guys hear coming out in april is a uh um like a cutting room floor book where it's it's uh it's going to be it's going to explore storylines that kirkman might have done and decided not to to run with i think it could be really interesting Ooh. yeah interesting sirens <laughs> yeah <laughs> shoot did you hide it that's I... all right uh okay whose turn is it jason yeah it's jason. mine so I'm actually going with the uh, the cinematography, which is what uh, Karen said in, in number nine. But I'm going with a specific one, the, and you mentioned it the uh, the shot of Rick and Shane on the hill uh, just before uh, Rick stabbed Shane. I just thought that that shot was very much like a double panel uh, image in the uh, in the comic books, and I just I thought it was fantastic. The moon looked amazing, and yeah. it was a big double page spread. Yeah, it was great. Totally cool. Uh, all right, my number six, and this is, I guess, the last pick before we wrap it up and then move over to your guys' show. But I wanted to single out one particular zombie that I thought did a really fine job. It's the scene where Rick and Carl climb down from the top of the RV, and there's a bunch of zombies sort of... Well, hold on. There's a bunch of zombies sort of just reaching across a fence trying to get at them there. And there, and there was one in that group that I think did, looked amazing, did a really great job right on the far right. And uh, it looked just beautiful, I thought. Perfect. Perfect zombie the actor the right there. Eyes. What's that? The one with the raccoon eyes? Yeah, that's that might be the one. There you go. That zombie looked like he got gypped. He was so close. And <laughs> Carl. Little tasty Carl. Little tasty Carl. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll just say that all the zombies in that scene did a fine job. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think there were a couple. Yeah, they were really good. <laughs> a couple that were really good. <laughs> all righty. Anything else before we uh, before we wrap it up? This could be our shortest episode in, in a long time. <laughs> That's okay. No, I, I think we're good. Come all over. Right. Well, come over then yeah. and listen to... Lengthen uh, it. 
Walking Dead cast. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So the second half of these lists will be on the Walking Dead cast. Um, we're going to uh, to wrap it up. So if you want to give us a call, you can do so at our toll-free zombie line, which is one 483 zomb That's 9662. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead. And of course, on email at talking dead podcast at gmail.com. And your guys, uh, your guys site is walkingdeadcast.com, right? Yep. In case mm-hmm. anyone needs to know where that is, but I'm sure everyone is familiar with the show. <laughs> um, so cool. So head over there to, to listen to the second half uh, for the talking dead. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. I'm Karen. I'm Jason. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>